0: Hey, y'all, I'm Alison Asarch from Nashville, Tennessee.
1: Hey, I'm Sean Fraser from the Ritzy Kids. Hunters, this is Johnny from Rail Motor. Hey, it's Shane from
2: Blind Season.
1: Hey, it's Rob Stanier, and you can check out my music on all the streaming platforms. Check out my latest music on all the streaming sites.
0: Check out my debut album on all streaming platforms. Check out
1: our new debut album. Check us out on Spotify and Apple Music. And you're listening to our friends, Braggy and Curly. My
0: favorite fans from Australia.
1: My two favorite podcasters, Braggy and Curly. Braggy and Curly. On the Unfiltered.
3: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 110 of the Unfiltered and Undiscovered podcast. We are going to get straight into it tonight. We're hard on a deadline because, of course, we're recording on the night that Queensland hopefully get the clean sweep in origin. So we we have a very upset blue in the corner there, but... um, Hopefully with a it, little bit of luck. I'd forgotten,
1: it was, luck. I'd forgotten oh. it was on.
3: <laughs> oh, bullshit, Rossi. <laughs> now, I, I of course, I welcome uh, Braggy from Adelaide and we've got Rossi from Sydney, but we've also got a very special guest who is uh, connected. We were connected to this guest from our very own country music correspondent, the Big Stew, oh. and uh, a big shout out to Big Stew and Swingo. And our guest tonight is Brendan Radford. Now, Brendan is a very humble sort of a guy when you go searching the net for some of his bio. But he's played with some amazing Australian and international artists, uh, producing, directing, you name it. This guy's has seen the music industry from so many different sides. Welcome to the podcast, Brendan.
4: Thanks, Curly. Thank you very much for having me on tonight. No and another, worries.
0: another Queensland. So it's three to one Queensland versus uh, New South Wales. Is that right? Because I'm, even though Brandon, I'm in, New, I'm in Adelaide. I'm actually a Queenslander, so. Oh right, eh. okay.
4: Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely Queenslander here. Yep,
2: yep. I uh, lived in I've... lived
4: in Brisbane most of my life, but yeah, in Quilpie for a couple of years as a kid, and Mount Isa for a couple of years, and oh, my I my and Dad both from Queensland, one from Cunnamulla and one from
0: Gainder. So, yeah,
4: mm-hmm. definitely born uh, no, and
0: bred, died in the wool. No, those Absolutely. places as well. I'm, I'm from up north up in Townsville. So been okay. played, played out in Mount Isa quite a few times at places like that. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Love it. Excellent. So, Brendan, let's get the
3: show on the road. Let's uh, share with us a little bit about your journey through the music world, what started it off and some of the, the big things that you've been up to, I guess.
4: Okay. Um. Well, I guess. Um, uh, working backwards. What did I just do? Today, I played on a track for. Uh, for Alan Caswell, who you know the guy who wrote "Prisoner." He's doing yeah. a bunch of riding down the coast with a friend of mine, and uh, so I played on actually a couple of tracks. Played on one, sang on one, um, and then there was one for a guy called Dean Perrett, who won a Golden Guitar at the awards this year. Um, for the bush ballad section and actually I played on that as well Um, and uh, we were doing some stuff for well I was out at Birdsville with John Williamson uh, last Monday and Tuesday for the Big Red Bash Mm -hmm. Um, just flew out and flew back and um, pardon me and uh, I guess you know going back from there where it started I guess it kind of started around the kitchen table as a you know 10 year old or whatever and my dad uh, used to play what he used to call the box guitar, which, of course, is the acoustic guitar. It's the Dreadnought, and yeah. The, yeah, the, the, and it was a Dreadnought, yeah. Um, he had a, uh, well, I think he, he had a couple of guitars over the years, but the one that he had bought brand new in 1969, I think, was a Yamaha Red Label, which I still have here. Yeah. Um, my dad wow. passed quite a few years ago, but That's I've got nice. the old Yamaha there and I get it out on the odd occasion and play it on things, but... um uh, and that's sort of where it started. Me just playing around the, the table when Dad would play, you know, guitar, and he used to stick a harmonica in a frame and and play a bunch of old tunes, you know, like the Irish Washerwoman and Click Go the Shears and different things. And uh, <laughs> staying outside Dan Murphy's door, all these old tunes, and uh, I love it. and he taught he taught my uncle to play guitar. My uncle, my mum came from, as I said, from Gainsborough up in the North Burnett here in Queensland, and. Uh, and so, we used to go up there as kids for holidays. Mum and Dad would get a bit of a break, and my my three sisters and I'd go up to my grandmother's. And my uncle stayed with; um, he was still living at home. And we used to just we just go and spend most of my holidays sitting around playing guitar, playing play just playing tunes: "Golden Wildwood Flower" and "Old Spinning Wheel in the Parlor" and "The Yellow Rays of Texas" and and you know shadows tunes. And he'd play Chet Atkins records and. All that kind of stuff. So that's, that's where it started. Yeah, so that's where it's of. I guess
0: that's what happens a lot in the country, isn't it? That's like your entertainment as well, I guess, isn't it? So everyone's well, sitting around having a seat. Yeah,
4: sing. it sort of was. And um, I guess when I was about 14, I actually got to play uh, one of those old hall gigs. Um, he, had a, he had a gig uh, somewhere in between Gainder and Mergen, I think, um, if I remember rightly. And the, I think it was just it was him. And a trumpet player and a drummer. That was the band, you know. And they went <laughs> along awesome. and they played all these Pride of Errands and Gypsy Taps and you know Boston Two Steps. I think you know. And at the middle of the middle of the night, they'd have a big break and they'd bring out the sweet and sour and the curry, whatever it was. And, <laughs> yeah. And then they'd yeah. get back into it again, you know. And um, and uh, I remember the drummer. He was uh, he actually didn't hold a drum beat. He used to just play. These weird things on the drums that were kind of in time with the music. It was all kind of really weird, but that was, yeah, that was you know <laughs> the country. That was their, I guess, entertainment. And and it was the same when my dad was a policeman. And it was the same when we travelled around and lived in Quilpie and Mount Isa. And you know, when he had days off, we you know we'd sit around and he'd have a beer and we'd sit at the table and he'd he'd sing a few tunes. And that was kind of what you did, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so then you started playing him. You started. Like you got bands together, and then was that when you were at? Yeah, where were you when that sort of first kicked off? Yeah, so,
4: well, you know, it's sort of it is a bit of that old school thing, you know, you get playing with music with guys at school. So, yeah, I was probably in grade eight or nine, I suppose, and, um, we had a little school band together, and of course, you know, playing in a band is a great way to meet girls. I was at an all boys school, so <laughs> you know, it's everyone like a good yep. thing to do. Yeah, it's the only you know.
1: reason anyone does it.
4: Um, yep. <laughs> and no one told us at that stage what happened was you stay on stage, and everyone else takes the girls away. And by the time you packed all your gear up, they're all gone home. Oh, so, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But, uh, if, they st- if they stick
1: around to when you pack the car up, you know they're keen. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> or you're in trouble, one or the other. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. So, uh, so it sort of started with that. And uh, there was a fellow that was a year ahead of me, um, an Italian fellow, um, and he played a thing called the Cordovox, which was, was actually oh. a piano accordion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they had a couple of models of these. There was a later model that was a transistorised one. But the one he played... Um, It was was an old valve model. So every note on that piano accordion had a valve for it. So had this crazy amplifier that had all these little valves in it and there was a valve for every note. Him and his dad, Johnny, who was a trumpet and saxophone player and a fellow who was playing drums, um, Greg Hanna, who still lives here in Brisbane, um, he was a student of uh, the great Harry Lebler back in the day. Um, uh, Lots of people have learnt from Harry and gone off to sydney and played with you know mitch farmer was one of harry's students Mm. and he's played with farnham and tommy emmanuel and all those guys and i played on and off with mitch for years in bands and i book him for different things but um anyway greg was one of harry's students star star students and and we were playing uh they had gigs in uh like the polish club and uh and um the italian club and things like that Mm. so what we would do is we'd go along and play all of these Latin American tunes, "Cuando Cuando," and mm-hmm. uh, oh, I can't think of them now, but um, all of those sort of tunes. And then um, as the night got on, the kids would get interested and we'd, you know, we'd end up playing covers of McCartney and Wings tunes and, uh, you know, okay. Rolling Stones tunes and that kind of stuff. So, and I was still at school. So I was still at school. I'd go out on a Saturday. Dad dropped me off. I'd do a gig, get paid a few bucks, get picked up. And, you know, it was some, um, was way better than standing outside a pub selling
0: newspapers or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but but, uh, but yeah. what a, what a way that like, Agrossi, you'll agree with me. This what a way to learn to to learn all that old stuff first, you know, and, oh, and get all that under your belt. What a what a great platform, mm. you know, to go on. Oh, I just, I wish I'd paid more attention in those days. You've really. <laughs> yeah. said that to a lot of people. Yeah, oh, I hope Because at the
4: time, you know, you're too cool for school, you know. I mean, yeah. who wants to learn cherry, pink and apple, blossom, white, you know. But yeah. seriously, the intricacy of some of that music is fantastic. Yeah. And I go back but now and think, you know, how all much better old... I'd be if I'd really paid attention. But anyway, mm. what, is, what all is, those
1: All those old guys, like yeah, you know, I remember coming through and working with those old guys, and you'd just be in awe of them. Yeah, you know? like Absolutely. at first you're sort of like thinking, Oh, geez, they're not doing much. Then you pay attention to what they're doing, and it just blows you away. Yeah. Like you, you talk to them, they say, oh, yeah, we used to do you know, four sets, then we'd drive across town, do another two. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. their yeah. work ethic was stellar. And mm-hmm. but they are just so casual, relaxed, and they'd walk into anything. You could throw almost anything at that sort of guys, and they'd just go, oh, yeah, I've got that. And if they couldn't, they'd vamp it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bake yeah. it till
0: you make it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're still, Absolutely. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's that, you know, right. <laughs> one, of the, one of the worst, one of the worst misconceptions for the average punter is that, is that country music is, is not, is just, you know, two or three chords, man. Some of the greatest musos you ever heard in your life, you know, mm. are in that, that genre. And I've just, oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know, it gets a that, bad, rap I know what sometimes. you're saying, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying.
4: And oh. it's interesting, too. Um, you know, cause I have played lots of styles. I mean, um, uh, but, yeah, I guess the thing with um, – and there's lots of different genres within country music as well. Of course, yeah. People will say, I like country music. <laughs> I had a really funny conversation with a fellow on a cruise ship a few years ago. As you do when you're on a cruise ship, you end up at the breakfast table or the dinner table with people, and this mm. fellow said, oh, yeah, I got dragged along. It was horrible. And I, I, But anyway, um, I don't like country music, but anyway, I'll make the best of it. And then in the next breath he said, "But did you see that um, Daniel Thompson the other night? He was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Daniel yeah. Thompson did a Johnny Cash tribute show. The no. whole show was Johnny Cash tunes. Yeah. This guy was saying, got well, like hate country, country music, but yeah. I love Johnny Cash.' Yeah. I mean, what do you yeah. do with that? That's crazy. Yeah, I know. yeah. So you know. Look, and, and, you did and, see
1: that you played with Mitch Farmer, and he's like a, and I know he is a spectacular, stellar drummer. He's yeah, like he's one of the gold standards, right?" Like it ran. Through. Yeah, oh, but
4: absolutely. Saw, Mitch is an amazing you, player. Yeah,
1: you worked with, like I saw. I was reading that you worked a bit with Rose Carleo as well.
4: I did an album for Rose. Actually, I, I recorded and produced an album for Rose. That's a um, hell of
1: a vocal there. That girl. She's sing. a hell of a singer. You bet. Oh,
4: oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: She's still knocking around down in Sydney, doing a bit of harder, harder rock these days. I think.
4: Yeah, she sort of was always a bit more kind of bluesy, um, The album that we did together was more a, like a country. Type record, and actually, her and Alan Caswell wrote one of the tunes on there
0: um, mm. together.
4: And she also now she did a duet with, um, and the name just escapes me now. Uh, 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 McAllister uh, with uh, McAllister Kemp. So yeah. Drew mm-hmm. McAllister and and Rose did a duet on that album. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, which was really, really cool. We had had uh, so we recorded some of that up here in Brisbane, and we co- recorded some of that down on the Central Coast um, in Rod and Jeff McCormack's studio uh, music cellar. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
4: yeah.
1: It's a really big industry though now. Like, like the, the, yeah, the the country scene. Like, yeah, you did the Big Red Bash on the weekend. Like, they're, they're doing big shows. All the the CMT stuff. or the yeah, you know, mm. those shows are massive.
4: Yeah, but look, you know, like Big Red Bash is not exclusively a country show, and I guess ah, no, the gurus uh, were there, you know, weren't they? Or yeah, the they, gurus yeah, were there, mental as anything. Um, mm. But uh, Troy Casadale was there. We mm. had a funny picture on Facebook of us going out in the bus together. Um, uh, and Troy's a great mate of mine. Troy and Laurel. Um, mm. Actually, I, I knew I knew Troy's wife Laurel before Troy met, and Laurel met. <laughs> um uh and I was there that night that they kind of met yeah that was up at the gimpy muster but um uh it's it's got yeah there's it's got a big range of music um mm. the first year I went to big red bash paul kelly was there as well and you know a yeah. bunch of different people. it's a great it's a great music festival yeah, and it's sort sure. of it's just it's about the journey you know as much as it it is about the music and being mm. here is about the journey it's about the yeah. getting there and the getting home yeah all those stories and those memories that people create, it's just, I mean, you just can't buy that yeah. stuff. It's fabulous. It looks
3: incredible. So yeah. we might mm. talk about the logistics <clears throat> of the red, red Bash as soon as we've done our first oh. segment. So bear with me. I'm going oh, to. <laughs> oh, well, you should not be forgetting it. No, uh, just get into the conversation, Kelly. <laughs> I know. That's what now, we do.
0: I said before when I was talking to you guys be off air before, I said this is the best first line so far because, uh, Brendan, they always start with, you know, I was born somewhere but I just, and you, Brendan, you very well might get this. I don't know, maybe if you're a music historian in your genre, you might. I was born in Bakersfield, California on April 6, 1937 in a box car that my father had remodeled for the family to live in after they had moved from Oklahoma where their barn burnt down during the Great Depression. When, how's Ephra starting life? Wow. Brilliant. <laughs> when I was nine, my father died of a brain hemorrhage, which deeply affected me and remained a pivotal event for the rest of my life. When I was 12, my older brother Lowell gave me his guitar. I learned to play it on my own with records I had at home. While my mother was out working during the day, I started getting into trouble and was sent to a juvenile detention centre for a weekend. But my behaviour didn't improve. If anything, it became worse. And by age 13, I was stealing and writing bad cheques. And in 1950, I was caught shoplifting and sent to the detention centre again. The following year, I jumped the freight train and ran away to Texas. Eventually, (laughs) how good is it? Eventually, I returned Eventually, returning to Bakersfield in the mid '50s, I decided to pursue a music career, playing in local bars at night and working as a farmhand or in the oil fields during the day. But I was still plagued by financial problems, and eventually was caught and arrested trying to rob a roadhouse. I was subsequently convicted and sent to Bakersfield Jail, where I immediately tried to escape, was caught, and then transferred <laughs> to San Quentin Prison. <laughs> that's that's not that's. It's number one. <laughs>
3: That's number That's one. Who anyway. am I? If, yeah. if you know it,
0: if you know it, Brendan, don't say it. You have to wait till the end. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. You got an All idea? Right. You probably
4: should have told me that first.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, you get, okay. What a life! Okay. What a Absolutely.
4: Life. Hey, so
3: Brendan, t- how does the, something like the big bed uh, red Bash
4: work? So I, I presume you fly in and then
3: you bust in and. Uh,
4: like, yeah, look, I, I mean, I'm, I've am i just been there as a player for yeah. an artist or two, so I've been out there three times. Um, yeah. Been lucky enough to get out there three times. Um, I mean, Greg, Greg's the fellow who organised it and there's a whole history behind that with him, you know, raising money and, and doing it as a charity. And Yeah, um, for one of the reasons Flying they Flying
3: Doctors, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah, but one of the reasons they had Willow out there this year and they like to get him back most years is because he was on the very first one and this year's was the 10th anniversary Mm. so um and um i mean those sorts of things i guess they're pretty hard to make money out of the first little while but he's stuck with it and it's just massive now which is fabulous um but look the logistics uh you know they have to get all the staging and all of the sound reinforcement stuff out there and I remember the first year i went i think was 2016 um 16 or 18 i just don't recall exactly but i'd been asked to go out there and play with adam harvey and um i had my four-wheel drive and my little camper trailer and i said to ad look mate i actually wouldn't mind going for a bit of a trip out there just driving out and back and then he said no worries just i'll be there such and such and meet you there so so yeah, we you know, we made a trip of it. Um, but it's like from Brisbane, it's a minimum of like a three day trip, really. Mm. Really? You know? Wow. Uh, I mean I guess well, could you make it in two? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. You know, I mean I've driven from Ulay to Brisbane in a day, but that's that's a eleven, twelve hour day. Yeah. So yeah. and it's mm. still a long way from there. Mm. You know. Um that three window see. and um, yeah, so it's sort of, and, and I mean, we did a three week turnaround, you know, mm. um, but the second time and the third time I flew out. Yeah. yeah. So it was just a fly out. This time well, whirlwind. So we flew out um, Monday, left Monday morning and uh, did a bit of a milk run with Rex. We, we did Brisbane to Toowoomba well camp, and then we did Charleville. And then we were supposed to do Quilpie and Windora and then Birdsville. But there was no one getting on or off in Corpion Windora, so we flew over and got into Birdsville an hour early, and then coming back was it was just Birdsville, Charlottesville, Brisbane, and we got out Tuesday afternoon, and we were back in Brisbane about eleven
0: p.m. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah, pretty quick.
3: Yeah, Brendan, tell yeah, us about, all, about
0: how it. how um going just going back to your like your your musical sort of journey. Yeah. When did the when did the session sort of plan start <clears throat> to
4: come about? You know. Yeah, I guess it's come and gone over the years a little bit. Um, First sessions. Actually, you know, the first sessions I probably did would have been in Brisbane and they would have been vocal sessions. Okay. Um, And um, I was actually really lucky to come through a time when there were lots of jingles. Jingles are kind of not so cool these days, but Mm -hmm. um, you still see the odd one. But
0: uh, They're probably all AI generated now. That will put, yeah, that's that right, will potentially. That will be. Yeah,
4: yeah. Um, actually, yeah. I was listening to a podcast about, yeah, bias in AI on the way home from the coast tonight. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild, some of the stuff. Mm. But anyway, uh, we digress. Um, so, yeah, I I, uh, I did a lot of work for a studio called Sweet 16 in Brisbane. Okay. Um, and they did lots and lots of jingles. So we did stuff ranging from Powers Brewing. You remember the Powers bit? Yeah, do. Uh, and, you know, Forex and um, uh, Suncorp, uh, uh, Metway Bank, I think we did. Um, cool. There was just a country bake. There was, you know, all these different things. So I got into session singing and then I got to do a little bit of guitar playing, um, did some things on some different jingles. And then I did some things. One, uh, one of the writers there, he was uh, in with the advertising advertising uh, agency, Greville Patterson, and he had a bunch of songs he'd always wanted to record. And I got, we, I got hired to play on that. And um, and then, you know, as time went on, I ended up on um, just albums. There were albums up here for different people, some of who you'll, you've never heard of, you'll never hear again. There's lots of those. Um, yeah, there's man. still lots of those. Um,
2: yeah.
4: But, you know, in between that stuff, there was um, I, uh, I, through – Gigs, I ended up playing on Gina Jeffrey records I uh, oh, wow. ended up playing on Lee Kernigan records mm. um, down in Sydney for Garth Porter um, down at Rancom Studios Very and uh, most recently I'm kind of at the moment I've as a friend of mine owns a quite a quite a great studio down in in uh, on the Gold Coast and I go down there and spend every Wednesday down there because he's just got He does everything from Bush ballads through to stuff for Netflix. You know, there's Hawaiian music. There's Mm. Mexican type. There's all sorts of styles. There's, you know, Mm. we do all sorts of different things. So, um, and it's fun. I just, I love inventing stuff. It's fun. Yeah. So I, Mm. I, I really dig it. Just quietly, in, I'd do it for nothing, but don't tell anybody that. That, in,
1: that, that, in, that instrumental stuff you do, like uh, that yeah. stuff you saying, Netflix and stuff. I know someone who does it, for, you know, does it for Universal, and they sort of buy a lot of like almost like stock footage, but stock yeah. audio. Yeah. And they sell, they on sell that, and that's you know like a, a, a it's a revenue stream. Like you, know, as a musician, you know, it's hard. You've got to make a quid somehow.
4: Well, yeah. going, and yeah. it is it is getting harder. I mean, I guess. You know, as we were talking about me, you know, playing in that Latin American band. Well, that went on to being a band that started to play around clubs and pubs and then I ended up in a band on the Carlton Circuit. And at one point there, you know, we were playing the Waterloo Hotel here in Brisbane. We were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday every week. Mm -hmm. And we were doing City Plaza on on Wednesdays. I think our band did it Wednesdays and Keith Urban and his band Three Magic Words did it on Fridays. You know, that was Mm -hmm. kind of what was going on in those days. Um, But... I'm in the days of a band doing five nights a week locally <laughs> now, you know. Um, you yes. might get a solo or a duo or something that might do that. But, you know, we had a four-piece, five-piece band doing that stuff, mm. you know. Um, yeah. So I, I feel really lucky. Um, back to the session thing. Um, so in Sweet 16, I got to meet a whole bunch of um, pretty amazing people. So there were people like Peter Roberts, who was one of the singers out of Stylus, so Peter oh, yeah. Couples and Peter okay. Roberts yeah, both singer Yeah, yeah, us, and yeah, And I, I learned so much about background vocalists, vocals working with Peter Roberts. Oh, um, man, he's an amazing, amazing guys. singer. He's yeah, no, he no longer with say. us anymore. He was an incredible singer.
2: Love, um, he was, very I think,
4: strong. from Melbourne, but he moved up and, and he was living up in Mullaney. And um, mm-hmm. he was a lovely, lovely man and um, great teacher. And I learnt um, Greg Doolan out of Wicked Wacky He used to come in and do a bunch of sessions. He had, yep, a, you know, he had a voice as big as a house. And, yep. <laughs> um, uh, and I, I remember doing stuff bath. with uh, Roy Postlethwaite, who used to do the theatre stuff in Brisbane. Um, Susie McKenzie, who's been on Home and Away and different things, and her husband um, was a guitar player for Shania Twain for a while. So they are there in Sydney. And um, So Susie was always on sessions. Robbie McKelvey, who's now Robbie Kernigan, Lee's wife. Um, oh. I actually... Um, They'll argue the point, but actually, I think I introduced them down at Sanctuary Cove. You're a matchmaker, Brendan. With, I, the first gig I did with Lee was down at Sanctuary Cove to to forty Japanese businessmen from Toyota who didn't speak a word of English. Yeah. says, it, um, says,
1: so, says, yeah. says a bit about uh, Australian players because I know and, I know a couple of people have gone and played Fish and I Twain. Like yep. A couple of Aussie blokes, just yeah, pub mm. musicians, and they've gotten yeah. over there and like you know, she just rates them.
0: Yeah, and those yeah guys are st-
1: Like, um, yeah, the guy, what's his name? He used to be in Avion. What's his name? Can't remember. And another guy, Andy Shacon who's a bass player. Yeah, yep. yep. And, and those, I those don't know guys Andy, went, but I
4: know of him. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. Uh, like Andy played in Rose Tattoo at one stage, would you yep,
4: believe? Yeah, and probably with Tim played, Gaze, who also yep, lives up that's here. Right. Yeah,
1: Tim's fantastic. Yep. Like one of my friend. earliest
4: influences used to play at the Castle Hotel at South Brisbane. Tim's one I of the best to, guitar players in the country. I used to sneak oh. in there as an underage <laughs> person just quietly and watch <laughs> yeah. watch Tim play, listen to Tim play guitar, you know.
3: Just, oh, uh,
4: yeah. Me and uh, I've got a mutual friend who's a great guitar player in Brisbane and we've played together, a guy mm. called Dave Moon, and we we both compare stories of going and watching Tim play. And mm. um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's, yeah. But, yeah, amazing.
1: so those Australian guys go over there and they knock them down. Like you go to Nashville there's like 20-foot – Twenty foot posters of Keith Urban in Nashville yeah. itself blows your yeah. mind. That like yeah. that's 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 capital city right for yeah. for yeah. that world and and Keith is as big a star as his wife is in the in Hollywood. You know, yeah, yeah. sure,
4: yeah, and rightly Because so, you know he's good. He's uh, done the work. Yeah, yeah. I, he's can't a say I know Keith well, but I know I've met Keith a few times, and um, mm.
2: uh,
4: and yeah, I mean Keith just really he really wanted it. You know, he mm. really wanted to do that. He'd made his mind up. Um, I, the first time I saw him, I think, it was down at the Waterloo Hotel. Um, at Sorry, the Waterford Hotel, the old um, Riverview Hotel at Waterford. Mm. And he was there with a band called the Sunshine Band. And um, he was a 17-year-old kid, played out and went, stepped out and played uh, Sultan's a Swing, note for note, you know. Just, mm. And that was, yeah, he was amazing. But, yeah, he used to play. He was just, a, you know, he's in the regular pub bands around Brisbane. He was in Rusty News yeah, Rockettes out at the Sunny
3: Yeah, in
0: Townsville, and, I think, in a, in yeah. a cover band, yeah. yeah he was yeah, on yeah. The, Huch, he's the Hutchinson Circuit thing for circuit. a while. Hutchinson Circuit, yep. CB yeah, yeah, Hotel yeah. or somewhere yeah. there in Townsville. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah,
1: But but so, like, uh, like that's, you can't get much bigger than that, you know? Well, no, you can't, no. It's mind-blowing. Like, a, I couldn't believe
3: it when I arrived. Yeah. The, you can't get like much bigger a big than star. the View Hotel. Is that, is that what we're...
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. That was <laughs> unfortunate. That was unfortunate timing.
3: Yeah, it was. Let's Listen. go to the second part of Listen. Who Am I, Braggy. Hey,
0: okay. Previously on Who Am I, I was in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst in prison, I became friends with several uh, death row inmates and this prompted me to change my life. I soon earned the equivalent of a high school diploma and kept a steady job in the prison's textile plant. I also played in the prison's country music band. Upon my release in 1960, I was soon back performing. The Bakersfield sound was developing in the area as a response to the overproduced Nashville sound and my early recordings were on telly records. My first record, Singing My Heart Out, was not a success, but in 64, I was talked into visiting Liz Anderson, the mother of country singer Lynn Anderson, a woman I did not know. I went to her house to hear her sing some songs she had written. If there was anything I didn't want to do, it was sit around some dang woman's house and listen to her cute little songs. But I went anyway. She was pleasant enough, pretty with a nice smile, But I was all set to be bored to death, and even more so when she got out the whole bunch of songs and went over to the old pump organ. And there they were. My God, one hit right after another. There must have been four or five number one songs there. I had my first top ten hit with My Friends Are Gonna Be Strangers. Then in 67, I recorded I'm a Lonesome Fugitive, also written by Anderson, which became my first number one. Mm. I think Brendan might know it. Do you know Rossi? I've got a I couldn't
3: think I do. Okay. Cool. I've, but, but I've got no but idea. But I wouldn't I've got <laughs> no idea. So so Brendan one of the questions I've got you've um you you're heavily involved in music and um a little birdie told me that you've been like the musical director for um for Tamworth and uh, and other festivals around the place. Um what do you look for um, I, I guess for bands to be playing in in those festivals or the
4: the larger ones like Tamworth, mm. so so not for the whole Tamworth festival because uh, if anyone who's been to Tamworth would know that there are you know myriad sort of venues yeah. through this venues mm. throughout all the town, <clears throat> but um, this has been for the Golden Guitar Awards, which I guess wow. is kind of like the pinnacle of the Tamworth yeah. Festival. It is really um, so is. so yeah, I've been. The musical director for the for the um, Tamworth Gold Guitar Awards um, and the band leader for probably gee I guess seven or eight years now. Um, wow! And before Ooh. that, um, a great friend of mine, Rod McCormack, who is Gina Jeffrey's husband, mm-hmm. or you know, Gina Jeffries is Rod McCormack's wife, whichever way you <laughs> want to put it. Uh, Rod's an incredible uh, multi instrumentalist actually, and and uh, he was the MD and. Uh, I, I used to play guitar for him and his band. And when he decided to step aside, he, he kind of passed the baton to me and the CMAA, Country Music Association of Australia, were they were happy enough with that. So, it, and that's kind of how it's been. And uh, and I, I work with Peter Ross, a producer down there, and on that awards show, along with, you know, a, a lot of other people. I just have mm. a small, very small part in it. But um, mm. what am I looking for in the when I booked the band, um, Mm. uh, look, well, it's just people with experience. Um, often it's not so much these days, but when we started, we were kind of looking for people that played with some of the big stars that went on the show. So, um, so, you know, I would be in the band and, I think at the time I was in Lee Kernigan's band um, mm. and Mitch was also playing, Mitch Farmer was mm. playing drums in Lee's band and, um, and James Gillard, the bass player, um, was also playing in Lee's band. So there were, you know, and, and we had all played in bands with lots of the people that were on. So, uh, myself and Mitch had played in Gina Jeffreys' band. And, uh, we, uh, as a result of that, you end up doing, you end up doing gigs with lots of people. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I uh, over time toured with Troy Cassadaly and toured with Tanya Koenigan and, um, mm-hmm. done a bunch of gigs over time with Melinda Snyder and, and, and Catherine Britt was the support for Lee. So we had a little band for her and, uh, so all those kinds of things, you know, um, the McClymonts were actually on the support mm-hmm. for, uh, for Lee at one stage. And I ended up touring with the McClymonts and, um, was a funny experience um it was just because they all play and sing they just took myself on guitar and scotty hills on drums scotty lives down in lismore and um uh and scotty's plays with graham Connors and plays with sarah stora and um and and, uh that was funny we'd go and do a gig somewhere and um brooke who you know brooke and adam have got their own thing happening now but brooke would be the Boisterous one out on the stage and telling jokes, and you know she was the mm. party girl. And then we'd all end up back at the motel, and they'd all go in and put their jammies on, and they put bread in the toaster and boil up and make cup of tea, and, <laughs> you know, and get a nice yeah. early night because we got radio interviews in the morning. Uh. So the you know the rea- the reality versus perception yeah.
2: was mm. you
4: know they're really serious about their their craft and about their business, and yeah, you find that actually about a lot of people that you know that what the the persona. Doesn't always mm. match the reality because you, you'd kill yourself if it did, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very
3: much so. Like, yeah.
1: like you're operating at a very like yeah like as humble as hum- humble as you are, you're operating at a pretty high level. Like you're yeah. dealing with yeah, the cream of the crop from what it appears.
4: Well, yeah, I'm I'm lucky. I'm really lucky to be mm. able to have been able to do that. Um. Mm. Uh. But I, I don't know. You just sort of. I guess there's a bit of that. Um. You know, jump in and paddle like mad
2: with me. Mm, yeah. You
4: know, yeah. we were talking before, you know, we alluded to fake it till you make it. Yeah. I yeah. think in any walk of life, you've got to be prepared to get a bit out of your comfort zone, uh, but not, you know, sufficiently out of your comfort zone to grow, but mm. not too far out that you scare the daylights out of yourself and don't go back, you know? Yes. <laughs> and mm, so point. I guess I've, and I, I guess I, it was sort of a bit, bit of timing as well. So if I think back, you know, I'm playing covers gigs in bands and I've had a couple of my own bands and I'm in Brisbane. And then I um, I go and do this gig out in Crow's Nest outside of Toowoomba and there's this young girl, Gina Hillenburg, who's come along and she's the one of the guests. And she's obviously, she's Gina Jeffries, who's just mm. one star maker in Tamworth. And the band I'm in, she likes the band, um, but she needs a pickup band up in southeast queensland you know because she's just starting to get some gigs yeah the next thing she's got booked is the warana festival she's got an appearance on there every day um and so she says oh can you come and play guitar for me at the warana festival that leads on to me um she says can you come and be musical director for me in sydney i say well i'm in brisbane i've got five kids i don't want to move to sydney Mm. and a year later she comes back and says well my gigs are paying a whole lot more money now. I don't need you to live in Sydney while you have Be been my musical director and I'll fly you down when I need you. So, yeah, wow. cool. Yeah. And wow. it's just, but, Man. And then, it's, and then you're bumping into, you fly into mm. Emerald Airport to do the Emerald Country Music Festival and as you walk through the airport, you know, Lee Kernaghan and his band are walking out of the airport because mm. they've been on last night. Mm. And you go and do the Bluegrass Comp in Tamworth and, so, I've won a few of those over the years. And, you know, Troy Casadelli, who's been busking out in the streets down in the audience, and he's like, man, I wish I could play like that. And then, and now he, you know, it's just sort of being there and being part of it. And, mm. and you know, as I say, that little bit of get out of your comfort zone, that little bit of, uh, you know, but, but also you just,
0: you want it to be as good as it can be. So, if, if
4: you know, um, you go, Brendan, you uh, spent,
0: you know, you spent all this time learning your craft and then making other people sound good. Let's move on now and let's talk about your your stuff. You know, that, your songs because I had a good listen today to that to your album Snow. Mate, that okay. song for a start, I, I can, you can almost hear the tears in your voice when you're singing it. <laughs> um, yeah,
4: it's I don't get sick of singing Snow. Um, yeah. So that that song, so I mentioned before about going to Gander for holidays. Um, that song's actually about my uncle. Yeah. Who, played guitar and I learned a lot of my early guitar from my uncle. Um, And my uncle had schizophrenia. So he would, he had this, and I grew up with this, so it was just, this was kind of, this is just normal to me. Mm. It's just like, oh, well, you know, like it's interesting, I think, when when you grow up with people with mental illness and we all, lots of us have it in our families, I guess. Yep. But you just, for me, you know, it was like, oh, well, that person's like that and that person, they're different. They're like that and that person, they're different again. They're like that. And no one's. nothing's wrong. It's just how people are. So how he was on this cycle of, you know, 12 months he'd be well and then he'd say, I'm well, I don't need to take medication anymore. And six months he'd spiral into this, you know, turmoil Mm. and and he'd end up back in hospital and they'd get him back Mm. in his meds. Then he'd be okay. come out, he wouldn't be quite right, but he'd get right and then he'd be 12 months, he'd be good. And then he'd no more meds and then spiral. You know, it was like over my entire growing up, it was like this guy that, you know, was great most of the time and then he didn't want to be around anyone then he was great again and it's just like yeah okay that's mm. and that was him that was my uncle and i loved him and he 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 kind of we kind of idolized each other in a way we just sort of um because yeah he's like my favorite uncle and yeah um, so that's what snow's about yeah yeah,
0: yeah it's yeah i could i yeah. could really feel the emotion when you when you when, you, when you're singing that one, and there's that line I'm guessing is about the schizophrenia where someone, someone came into your life or someone came in. Was, yeah,
4: it's sort of it's a bit of imagery, I guess. It, yeah, just yeah. Trying i trying to it. say, well, you know, someone's knocking, someone's come in and let themselves in yeah. the door, and it's now they won't mind, go mate. away. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like this is me and then someone else has come in <laughs> yeah. and that's another me, and I just want that to go away and be just the one me, but I can't because that won't, you know, it's always mm-hmm. there, so.
0: Yeah, I so, connected yeah. with that. I, yeah. I've got, I know a little, someone else is with the same sort of deal. So I really, yeah, yeah. it was good.
2: Yeah. Cotton wool baby, would it be easier with a better start? You were on your way Grew up on a dairy farm Never strayed too far From your mother's side Until your dying day And you were the clever one Yeah, you could turn your hand To just about anything Yeah, you were gonna go far Till the voices in your head told you life had other plans. Said you're staying right where you are. Hey Snow, are you gonna play that guitar all day, or maybe go fishing up by Deraway? And we could go out in the yard and throw a cricket ball around. Maybe best go and have a lie down. You were only twenty-four. A stranger came knocking at your front door. Mm. So there was that song. The other, I mean, there's a bunch of tunes on
4: there, and some of them I didn't write. Uh, I did write a few of them. Stop the night and um, mm-hmm. what's going on, and uh, but the last track is Kangaroo Station, and that's because that's where my dad was grew up until he was sort of thirteen or fourteen, and um, so he passed in 1994, and I'd always wanted to write a song about my dad to my dad but it's uh, just kind of it's just a bit for me it was a bit hard you know yeah um but I, then i got i don't know the, the, where the idea came from but i just i thought well hang on how about if i'm my dad and i'll just write a song and tell my story yeah mm. so and that's what that is so it's actually my dad singing you know um so when they talk about a baby boy was born that's actually me that's a great, So, way to so that's just where I yeah. where I went with that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so um, I was joking to someone the other day. I've probably I've probably got another two albums worth of stuff pretty much written and half recorded. But you know, the the hard work's not the writing and the recording. The hard work comes after that. You got to do something with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's getting even harder and harder these days. And so. I guess that's why I've been hesitant to release anything else. But I'm I'm on the cusp. I reckon yeah. I'm going to do something in the next few months. I've got to I've got to get something out there, so Yeah, do well, you uh, think yeah, with that
3: the country music correspondent Big Stew, tells me you've got a song called Flick the Finger.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't I've only done a demo of that one at the moment. Um and I kind of think I thought it wasn't really something that I'd sing, but I don't know. I had a chat with my mate Pete Denner here a few weeks ago and I pitched it to Pete and he came back and said, man, he said, this is your song. This has got too much content in here that you relate to. You really need to do it yourself. Mm. So, yeah, so it came from driving out west and um, we went, my wife and I last, last uh, June, July, went for a trip up into the Gulf and up to Kakadu. Um, and I just love travelling all over this country. I, you know, I want to – I am i can't wait to be a grey nomad and go and do the lap and do, I, I'm just, you know, I'm into it. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a new lifestyle camper showing up in September. <laughs>
0: <coughs> yeah, this so. show brought to you by <laughs>
4: – <laughs> Swingos kind of helped me out. I, I had a little bit to do with designing mm. from kind of previous experience. Uh, but um, – Anyway, yeah, that that song came from that and I I was just driving along and I was sort of just north of, northwest of Dolby or somewhere and started to, you know, you just lift the finger off the steering wheel and no one's doing it back and I just said to my wife, I said, they don't flick the finger in the Outback anymore. And I said, gee, that's not a bad title for a song, you know. Um, So the chorus went, they don't flick the finger in the Outback anymore. Maybe we're not West enough. I'm really not quite sure. (laughs) I think it was more than courtesy. It's a little like Bush law, but it seems they don't flick the finger in the Outback anymore. (laughs) But anyway, I've actually recorded a demo and, Mm. Um, it's got a happy ending, and you're just gonna to have to wait around. And okay. I'm gonna record it myself in the next couple of months. So uh, 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 yeah,
1: I'm just in, just interested, Brendan. You're talking about you've got new you've got a couple of albums worth of material. Do you find because you've you've come all the way through the changes? There's been significant changes mm. as a musician. Yeah, like we've gone from you're working in pubs. You could work five nights a week. You could make a living out of that. You'd work. You've got, you know, you've got a big family, all that sort of stuff. You're yeah. Then now we've come through, you know, like radio-backed people in selectively, you know, people that have a go. Now we're in the streaming world. Do you find that now that it's not mediated, that there's so much material out there that everything kind of gets lost?
4: Yeah, I guess it does. Um, it, it's certainly difficult, you know. Um, but I, I guess the upside of that is it gives so many more talented people the opportunity to get stuff out there. Mm. Um, and. And I guess the other thing is, you've just got to keep doing stuff, you know. Like you just got to keep doing stuff and hope that something connects and something sticks. And and you know, you come back to uh, you come back to you know, why did I start doing this in the first place? And you know, sort of earning money out of it is a can be a bit of a bonus in a way. But you know, you got if you don't love it, you're not going to keep doing it. So. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because there's you don't learn you don't earn a lot of money from streaming unless you no. get lots and lots, like worldwide, yeah. unless you're Beyonce mm. yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's
4: right. Um,
0: but, uh, but but like you said, it's Catch Twenty Two. At the same time, the average Joe who would never have had a chance to get into a studio and make a record is can now just do it from his home and put put it out there and and, and, be, it. and be happy that's with great that. Thing. Be happy. Yeah. yeah, it's a great yeah, thing. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. There's positives
4: and negatives, but I also mm. I wonder um, thinking with my kind of business degree hat on, um, you know, what business are we in? Are we in the music business or are we in the entertainment business?
2: Mm. So
4: if you're in the music business, you've got a certain amount of choices, but if you're in the entertainment business, you've got way, way more choices. So Yeah, you know, yeah. Good, um, good point. Yeah. So, so, you know, then you've got to think, well, if that's what I'm, I'm competing with. Mm-hmm. And I need to, and I want to compete, and I want to make this happen. Then, you know, it's just a different perspective, I think. Absolutely, um, like, yeah. yeah. So,
3: braggy let's
0: go to part three. Okay. And let- uh, the nineteen sixty seven album "Branded Man," recorded by my band The Strangers, kicked off an artistically and commercially successful run for me. The following year, I released the album "Sing Me Back Home" and the legend of Bonnie and Clyde regarded as some of the finest country albums of their respective years. My new recordings showcased my band's talents, including Roy Nichols' Telecaster, Ralph Mooney's steel guitar and the harmony vocals of Bonnie Owens. More number one hits in 69 like Mama Tried, Hungry Eyes and Okie from Muskogee cemented my reputation as a giant of the country music genre. In later years, I collaborated with other musicians Music legends like Willie Nelson, George Jones. In 2006, I was awarded a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. In 2010, I accepted a Kennedy Center Honour for Outstanding Contribution to American Culture. In 2023, seven years after my death, Rolling Stone magazine ranked me number 38 in its list of the 200 greatest singers of all time. My name is... Go, boys. Oh, can I say it now? Yeah, say it now.
4: I, um, I was actually lucky enough to sit side a stage at the Maya Sydney Music Bowl yes. while this fellow was in Australia, one of the wow. few times he came out to Australia. And and I was sitting beside James Gillard and I can't remember what song it was, but he he got to this section in the song and he sang these couple of notes and he just did this little vibrato warble and both James and I shivered oh. at the same time because wow. it was just this incredible moment um, of Merle Haggard singing and we were right there, you know. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, amazing. it's funny. Uh, I I yeah. when I when I do these guys, I, I put I just put the whatever the artist is on, I put them on and listen to it. And I never I mean, I love I love country, but I never really get into a, a lot of I don't don't go I don't go deep, you know, and especially with like Merle Haggard, but wow, yeah, mm. what a voice. And one interesting little mm. thing I read about it today was that when he got out of prison and he started to become famous, he was terrified of going on tour and playing live because he thought someone in the third row was going to go, "Hey, that's number five zero six two four from uh, San Quentin." You know, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. So what? What? Mm. What? An amazing, amazing guy. There you go, Curly Merle Haggard. If you listen to him, Merle Haggard, I had no
3: idea, and no, I haven't listened to him. So guys, we need to start closing it down. We're getting close to kickoff time. Um, okay. I've just got one question <laughs> and it's something that uh, Braggy raised pre um, recording tonight. The faceless men. Oh, so Brendan, share I, a little bit about it. <laughs> share a little bit about the faceless men, and then we'll
4: start the wind down. I love that you asked about the faceless men. <laughs> um uh the faceless men. So um, let's go back to the beginning <laughs> I was doing a gig with a guy called Adam Harvey before anyone kind of really knew about him it was in mm. West Leagues Club in Tamworth during the festival and there was a guy called Matt Fell that I'd hired to play bass and anyone who knows country music knows that Matt Fell's won 150 golden guitars over the last 10 years for producer of the year and various mm. things and um, Matt's now living in Tasmania. Uh, And Glenn Wilson, who is an incredible drummer, has played on lots of records um, and uh, does. he's often in the pit in Sydney and in the musicals and stuff. So we're playing in this band in Tamworth, uh, in West Leagues Club, and this guy, Glenn Hanna, comes up to me. And Glenn was playing in Adam Brand's band, I think, at the time. And we just got chatting. I didn't really know Glenn at the time, uh, and we've lost Glenn, dear Glenn. Um, he's not no longer with us. But um, he said, you and I should put a band together sometime. Now, this is like years ago. And I said, that would be a great thing to do. And it took many, many years. But uh, so we went through and ended up. Um, I played with James Gillard in Lee Koenigan's band, as I said, and James and I are great, great friends. Um, and I also got to play Steve Fernley, was the drummer in Gina Jeffreys' band when I went down to Sydney. Um, and uh, Steve and I ended up great mates, and we just all loved the way each other plays. And somehow or other, at some stage, we all got together and said, hey, let's just put a band together and just play music that we want to play. Mm. So it doesn't have to be hits. It doesn't have to be, but it's not about playing, you know, it's not about it'd be nice if people enjoy it. That'd be a bonus, but Mm. let's just play music because we love it.
3: Mm. So
4: that's what we did. And then we did a few gigs around the place. Mostly it was kind of Tamworth festival. We kind of had a hole here and there between the other things we were doing because you get out normally for a week or 10 days. Mm. Um, And, So it sort of started there gig wise. And then we did a few other things. We ended up doing gigs at the Gimpy Mustard during that festival. And then we said, look, we really need to record something. And we hadn't written anything together. Um, But we just, it was the same as, you know, what we said about the band. Well, let's just choose a whole bunch of songs that we really love and let's record those. Mm -hmm. And then Glenn said, I think it was probably Glenn, I guess. It's like, well, let's get some people to guest on it because we play with all these people. So we end up with this album with all these great songs on it and we've got guys like Brian Cad and we've got guys like Shane Nicholson and we've got Casey Chambers singing and we got, you know, um, yeah. uh,
0: wow. beautiful, beautiful. I, I, really, um, I really enjoyed listening to that this afternoon.
4: Yeah. The, the fastest man, yeah, it's killer. The problem, the, the, the problem with it is... What we decided with it was we didn't want to make any money out of it, so we ordered I don't know a few thousand copies, and we sold them at gigs. And all the, once we covered our costs, which weren't, where well, they were minimal because we didn't pay ourselves anything, we just mm-hmm. had to pay for studio time. We used Rancom Studios <coughs> in Sydney. Um, Ted Howard on the engineer, who's engineered a million records for just about every Australian country record that you would have heard, you know, over the last 30 years, Ted's had something to do with. Um, And we decided that we would donate that money to Support Act, which is Support Act is there to support, uh, you know, basically musicians that have fallen on hard times or Mm
2: -hmm. whatever.
4: And uh, I I personally know some people that have really relied on that from time to time, you know, they've had Mm -hmm. high times, but then low times. And um, so that's, and part of the thing um, was that we didn't want to put it online and make it online, so you know we didn't. We wanted all the money to go to Support Act. Mm. But the the downside of that is that it limits your audience, and yeah. so there's none of those albums left anymore. They're all sold, and but we've got mm. the masters. And I, uh, although um, Glenn's no longer with us, um, James and Steve and I still catch up regularly. Actually, we did some recording together just recently, mm. and. There's probably still a conversation to be had there about, you know, what do we do with this because it's such a great piece Sharing it with music. the world.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and actually,
4: you know, making some money out of that for mm. Support Act on a larger scale, you know. So,
3: Absolutely. Anyway,
4: I'm actually, I, think, uh, I think Brian Cadd's got something to do with Support Act and I've just yeah. played on five tracks for a new record for him and we're back in the studio in two weeks to finish that record off. So... You've cool. reminded me. I probably need to have a
3: conversation <laughs>
2: there. <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah.
3: Brendan, it has been an absolute joy having you on the show. I know it's been a real kick uh, for myself, and I'm sure I speak for Braggy and Rossi as well, to Absolutely. talk to someone with your experience. Um, we will add Snow to our unfiltered and undiscovered playlist on Spotify Um, because I was looking before it is on Spotify. So we're right to do that. Wherever you've you've listened or watched this um, episode, please like, (laughs) subscribe, leave a review. You know the drum. We're on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. We've got a website, unfilteredandundiscovered.com. As always, check out our playlist. And lyrics from the playlist this week comes from Wolf Darling out of Boston. Remember this, uh, that interview, Braggy? That was I a do. classic. This the song's called Ghost Empire, and the lyrics are very simple. There's a place for ghosts like me. Thank you very much, Brendan. Thanks, Braggy. Thanks, Rossi. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we will see you all again next week where we're continuing the country music. We've got a young lady called Josie, one word, Josie. She's just released her new single, her first single I think it's called Down Under and uh, we're looking forward to catching up with Josie. Until then we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.
2: I can see the mitchell grass Blowing in the breeze And I remember breaking down the mold For the cattle to feed Catching yellow belly Stick a Gidgey and some string Sitting on the river bank Listening to the bull and bull Big Jim was a ganger On the Queensland Railway And he always had too much to do But never much to say And every day he'd grab that Gladstone bag And make his way off down the track Every afternoon I'd sit and wait him to come back Back to Kangula Station, that's where I belong. Kangula Station, that's my home.